Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. We will now have our Bible reading uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 16. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now we're going to just pray for Kyle before he brings the message to us. Uh, Heavenly Father, Uh, We thank you that we're going to hear your word this morning through Kyle, and we pray that you would bless him uh, with your Holy Spirit, that he would be attuned to you, uh, that he would be confident in the preparation that you've led him in, and that he would speak your words to us, Lord God. We pray that our hearts would be hungry to feed on your word today, that we might be satisfied in you, and that our hearts would be soft to receive correction and to change our ways. I pray that our minds would be focused, that we would be able to hear and obey your word. We ask all these things through your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks. Thanks, Stephanie. Well, last semester, in a time when we could actually leave the house, I persuaded myself to become a member of a local gym. Anyway, I was filling out the online registration and as you do I was a little bit nervous typing in my address and my my phone number my date of birth I I uh, paused momentarily before entering in my my bank details that's a point where you really want to be confident that the website is legit and it's not a scam anyway I finished up I entered in my bank bank details and I hit send but it, it didn't work did not go through. Instead, I get big red letters that I haven't filled it out correctly. My birth date is apparently not in the correct format and they can't find my address in their registry. So uh, I go back over it carefully. I'm feeling a little bit more nervous, but I, I think I've got it all right. I, I make sure and I hit send again. And, and you know what I get this time? Buffering. Nothing. Now I'm thinking, what has happened to all my personal details? Is this a scam? Is this some offshore third party now swiping my bank details? So as you do, I go back to check my email. No confirmation email. So I go back to the website. No payment received notification. Nothing. So now I'm thinking, all right, I need something here, anything to give me confidence that this is legitimate, something to let me know that it's worked. Uh, Maybe you've had a similar feeling. 
Well, signing up to a gym is one thing, but what about confidence that the gospel is true? How can we be confident in the gospel? Now, perhaps a Ridley online chapel service, it really isn't the place uh, where we might doubt the gospel. No, it's the place where we, uh, we draw great assurance in the gospel as we worship together. Uh, but what about when you're stuck at home, isolated from family and friends, perhaps lapsing in your devotion time, perhaps struggling with the ever-increasing lockdown? You know, this might be compounded by the stories of a world suffering under COVID and the turmoil in Afghanistan. Maybe at that time, that's when uh, creeps, uh, when uh, fear creeps in and they, they chip away at our confidence in the gospel. I did entitle this sermon, Assured We Belong to God. And I got that out of 1 Thessalonians 1, 4, where Paul says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. And Paul goes on to assure them of how they can know that that this is true in various ways. But last week I saw a sermon which was entitled Gospel Confidence, and I realised that that's what I was trying to communicate. So after getting over my envy of how succinct it was, I just stole it. I totally stole it. So Gospel Confidence, that is what I'm talking about this morning. How can we be confident? How can we be assured that the gospel is true? So first, let me give you some context. Uh, Paul planted the church in Thessalonica, but he was forced to leave before he could teach them what happens to Christians if they die before Jesus comes back. And a few of the church members had died and they were despairing at the thought that maybe those who died weren't actually Christians. Maybe they didn't belong to God. And what might that mean for the rest of them who were still alive? Uh, It also was compounded by the fact that they were suffering for being Christians. Uh, And this was leading them to think that maybe they'd got it wrong. Maybe they were wrong to have trusted in Paul and his gospel message. It was undermining their confidence in the gospel. So Paul hears this and he writes to them in part to reaffirm, to build up their confidence in the gospel. He wants to assure them that the gospel is true. They really have been called by God. They really do belong to him. And Paul's going to do this. He's going to build them up in in, uh, three ways. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So one, he's going to get them to look back at their conversion and their sanctification and also down at the word of God. And two, he's going to get them to look around at at their fellow uh, Christians, their brothers and sisters. And three, to look forward to the promise of their final salvation in Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, How gospel confidence comes from looking back and down, from looking around and from looking forward. Okay, point one. Firstly, we'll look at conversion. Gospel confidence comes from looking back at our conversion. If you've got your Bible, look at me in verse 13 uh, of chapter 2, and it says, We also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, 
but as it actually is the word of God. And the Thessalonians accepted it. That's the gospel, not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God. They received the gospel as if it was from God himself. Paul explains uh, how further this happened in chapter 1, verse 5. When he says about the Thessalonians, he says, you received the gospel when it came to you, not only in word, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Paul reminds the Thessalonians that they didn't sign up to a scan from some uh, one of those roving philosophers going around trying to peddle their opinions for money. No, they were actually truly converted when the Holy Spirit used the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring about a deep conviction of their sin and need for a saviour. And they were genuinely converted. Chapter 1, verse 9 says that they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. I wonder, do you ever reflect on what your life was like before you became a Christian compared to what it is now? One way gospel confidence comes is when we look back and see how God has worked powerfully in making us new and giving us completely new desires to follow him. Now, another way is that gospel confidence also comes from looking down at the word of God. In Acts 17, Paul preaches the gospel in Berea and the Berean Jews were recorded as being more noble than the Thessalonians. And they were this because they searched the scriptures diligently to verify Paul's gospel. You see, they went back to the word of God to verify what Paul was saying. But the Thessalonians didn't do this, and so they were left confused. So if your trust in the gospel is waning, then a good first step is always to go back and read the word of God. All right, now we'll look at sanctification. Gospel confidence comes from looking back at our sanctification. We can have confidence in the gospel because through it, God is actively changing us. Read with me in the second half of verse 13. Uh, Paul says there, you accepted it, that's God's word, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The word of God is at work in you who believe. God's word is a sanctifying word. To make bread, you add a little yeast to flour and the yeast slowly permeates all the flour. It changes its nature. It turns it into bread. And the same thing happens in our lives. Little by little, God's word and spirit slowly make us holy. We're transformed to be more like Jesus. And more and more, our lives show signs of the fruit of the, of the spirit by love, for example, or kindness or self-control. You might not notice your face changing in the mirror each day, but you will when Facebook shows you a photo from this time five years ago. Sometimes I don't really like seeing those pictures because the only thing I seem to be growing is more chins. Uh, but we can have confidence in the gospel when we see that through it, God is actively changing us. Okay, moving on to point two. Confidence in the gospel also comes from looking around us. 
Confidence in the gospel also comes from looking around us. Uh, in verse 14, Paul lifts the Thessalonians' eyes to see themselves as part of a wider church body who are also suffering. He says there, For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews. You know, sometimes we don't feel confident in our faith because we look at ourselves in isolation from other Christians. Now, I don't need to think of an illustration about isolation because we are living in one at the moment. And it's, it's not hard, though, to remember back to when we were you know, personally together in chapel or when we met with our brothers and sisters in our local church. How great it was when we were able to hear each other's voices to take communion together. These things remind us that we're not the only ones who have been convicted that Jesus Christ is Lord. God is at work all over the world, saving people through the gospel. But actually in context, Paul is getting the Thessalonians to look around at other Christians because he wants them to see that persecution is the thing that has united them with other Christians. He wants to show them that persecution should actually build their confidence in the gospel because persecution is exactly what is happening to all the other Christians around them. Persecution is the norm. So the encouragement here is that suffering for our faith could actually build our confidence in the gospel. Being willing to suffer persecution for our faith is actually evidence that we really have believed the gospel. In verse 15, Paul goes on to say to the Thessalonians, you suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. So here Paul goes further in encouraging them in their persecution. He does this by pointing out that they're suffering for their faith just like he did, which is also just like the prophets of old and even like the Lord Jesus himself. Jesus can say in John 15, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And Paul, similarly, in 2 Timothy 3, says everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So confidence in the gospel also comes when we remember that those who trust in the Lord have always been persecuted by those who remain hostile to him. And my last point is this, my last point. We can look forward to God's promise of salvation from judgment in Christ Jesus. Bringing together what we've been looking at this morning, if through the gospel God has saved us and is making us holy, then we can be confident that we will be saved from God's final judgment. In verse 15 and 16, Paul says that the Thessalonians don't need to be afraid because God is not angry at them. No, he's angry instead with those who hinder the proclamation of the gospel. He says concerning these people, he says, they displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, 
They always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Now, there's debate over whether Paul is talking about a present or a future judgment on those who are hostile to God. In Romans chapter 1, you know, it speaks of a present judgment when it says God's anger is seen in him giving people over to their sins right now. But a future judgment is also spoken of in Revelation where God will finally and fully judge sin and evil for good. So in a sense, uh, in a sense both are true. But Paul's point here is that judgment and condemnation, whether present or future, is not the plight of those who believe the gospel. It's not their plight. So Paul says in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, he says, God did not appoint you to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Uh, it comes up in the song we often sing, strong as a mighty rock, our refuge in the coming wrath. The heart of the bride belongs to Jesus. So if God has saved us and he's sanctifying us, then we can look forward in confidence that we, that we will also be saved from final judgment. Oh, as we come to a close this morning, I want to finish with how Paul starts. And he says in 2.13, he says, we also thank God continually. You see, we thank God continually because any confidence and any assurance we get from the gospel is always and only the result of what God has first done and continues to do for us in Jesus Christ. Our greatest confidence is in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost. He will hold me fast. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming to our rescue and saving us. Thank you for not leaving us as we are, but continuing to make us holy. And Father, thank you that Jesus has borne all our judgment and condemnation so we can look forward in confidence to the time when we'll be with you forever. Amen. <laughs>